Today, we're talking about this increasingly dangerous, erratic, and concerning situation with Fousey, with the police even having to get involved. There's a gun to my head right now. There's a gun to my head. What's you're saying? The head of Wagner that half cooed Putin, but then was forgiven, mysteriously died in a plane crash today? India landed on the unexplored South Pole of the moon today? And the people who brought about the end of affirmative action are now trying to end diversity programs. We're gonna talk about all that and so much more on today's brand new Philip DeFranco show, you daily dive into the news, so buckle up, Hit that like button and let's just jump into it. Starting with this absolute mess of a situation around Fousey, who if you don't know, don't worry. I'll give you the background you need to know, which is he's a he's an old school YouTuber that infamously flamed out. There were mental health issues, massive backlash. He kind of went away for a while. So seemingly after being humbled by life, he was kind of back on the come up. He seemed driven, but calm. But then he started uh, doing a 24-7 live stream. And as that continued, he started getting more and more viewers. He also found himself in numerous controversies. And there were a range of those. Like there were situations where like he accidentally sang the N-word and he freaked out on himself. As well as a situation where he was talking to this woman that may have been inebriated at an airport who said she she had been sex trafficked and then he came back and said he had sex with her. He then got kicked off of Twitch for a bit and then he moved over to Kick. And since then, things have just continued to escalate. With a lot of things getting weird and confusing, some people hating him, some people loving him, a lot of people concerned about his mental well-being. Right, you got things like earlier this week, he was streaming while walking down a freeway in Miami. Internet hated me. It's now 2023, I'm 33 years old. I'm about to sign a bill, a doll, uh, I'm about to sign a multi-million dollar deal, dog. I don't retire my entire family. With him even seeming to interact with a car at one point while walking down the freeway, people noting that that's just insanely dangerous. Then yesterday, which was the most chaotic day of the streaming, you saw him slap two other creators, or throwing water on a creator by the name of Jack Doherty. Jack does the same thing back, and then he just goes for it. He also got into an altercation with a creator by the name of Neon. You think you're perfect. You're not. You're far from perfect. You gotta up ass I think I'm perfect. You said you were gonna do that. I think I'm perfect. And after that, yelling at him, including using a homophobic slur. There's so much chaos, everything's super messy, but the kind of biggest moments came from when Fousey was streaming in his hotel room in Miami. And this is also one of those situations where there's a lot going on, so it's hard to tell exactly what's pushing things to a boiling point. But we know that a streamer named Ganvo called Fousey, seemingly with the intent of further riling and winding him up, at one point telling people, He's irritating as keeps popping up on my TikTok and all this shit. And I think that the guy is obnoxious. So when he called Fousey, he said that he had been in touch with his family. Yo, I'm Gamble. I'm the guy that was calling your mom and, and sister and brother and shit. I think one of your friends got me banned on kick. Can you hear me, buddy? You know, we have your address. We have your number. We have everything. Oh, you like dancing too. Hey, I know where you are right now and I live here, buddy. Come over here, bitch. I swear to God, I'll kill you. I swear to God, you pull up to my house right now, I'll stick a knife 10, uh, 10 feet in your throat. I literally slice it down to your penis and chop it off. Yes, this is a goddamn threat. Ganville seemingly then calls Fousey again later, calling him a bunch of names, making fun of threats that were being thrown out, implying that he had sent a woman that Fousey is seeing as some kind of setup. I've already started breaking your heart. We've only been at war for two days. And telling Fousey to pull up to his house and adding, Watch, Florida, this is stand your ground, buddy. You threatened to kill me. I have it recorded. Watch what happens when you come here. And these conversations set Fousey off, and he ends up calling 911. We also see another person in the room with him, but as they're trying to give details to the dispatcher, Fousey says, You don't know the address? No. Get out of my room. Get out of my room. Get out of my room. Give me the address and get out of my room. I'm like, I'm like, I don't feel safe around you. That's right here. Calm down, bro. Ma'am, my Calm life down. is in danger. Intercontinental Miami. Where are you, sir? I'm in the inter. 
Continental. Oh, give me the phone, man. Give me the phone. You gotta calm down. I'm gonna oh, because a guy told me I'm gonna die tonight. You want me to relax? Right, and Fusi just continually gets more and more frustrated throughout the call to 911. With them seeming to think they don't understand what's happening. There is a deranged fan who has been calling my mom and harassing her, telling me, telling her she's gonna die. Who just called my hotel room, said he's in Miami, said I'm gonna die tonight. He threatened me. He told he gave me his address. He told me to pull up. He said he hired a girl to come into my life and she did yesterday and then to break up with me because he said we're already with you already breaking your heart i'm being attacked right now my life is in danger i'm worth 77 million dollars as a dispatcher asks him questions he answers some but sometimes he just talks about his internet fame or other aspects of the story but as i keep asking for more details to get the story straight about where this stalker presumably ganville is how he's making these threats stuff like that Fousey just gets annoyed and concerned that they're not taking this seriously and won't send the cops so he then just essentially fakes a hostage situation on the phone there's a gun to my head right now. There's a gun to my head. Help, ma'am, 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 he left. Ma'am, he left. There's a gun to my head. Help, help, get them. Help, bye. But also, for his part, Ganville also called 911 to report Fousey. While the call is harder to hear because Fousey's stream is playing in the back, he tells the operator that there's someone threatening him. He is live currently, and he is in a hotel room. I have the address of where he is doing this and threatening me with weapons and security. He's at the Intercontinental Hotel in Miami. Um, I know that the security was holding pistols. With all that, bring us to the part that has gone the most viral, has made the most headline. The cops actually show up to Fousey's hotel room. And Fousey is pretty combative with them. He's a stalker. Okay, and who is this guy? I don't you know, know. How do you want us to look for him if you don't know where he is? I have his address! What is his address? I said grab my security 20 minutes ago! With the cops eventually approaching him and cuffing him with Fousey saying, Y'all are I'm suing all y'all. My life is in danger and you arrest a Palestinian Muslim who's viral? Are y'all dumb or are you stupid? Hey, free Fousey! Hashtag free Fousey! Though reportedly, he was not arrested with TMZ, reporting that Fousey was instead brought to a hospital for a mental health check. Also, while all of this was happening with people using that hashtag free Fousey, the platform kick itself even using the hashtag at one point, but that post has since been deleted. And so ultimately right now, we're waiting to see what happens. But in the meantime, a lot of people are throwing a lot of blame around. Right? Some seemingly putting all this on Ganville, saying that he's trying to exploit someone who's going through a mental health crisis. Meanwhile, you have others saying Fousey's just out of control. This is all on him, that he's been here before he should know better he's pushing himself too far he seems to be disregarding or pushing away anyone that says that he needs to calm down but the unfortunate thing in this situation is i don't know if there is a way that this calms down right because as things have increasingly gotten more violent more dangerous the views have just gone up and up with people wanting to see at the very least drama and chaos all the way to a train wreck it's incentivizing his burnout it's incentivizing leaning into a manic episode which has also resulted in some people raising questions of how at fault is the platform kick here because part of the reason for rules and guardrails is yes to protect the audiences but also to protect the public and maybe even the creators themselves but for now we'll have to wait to see how things play out and in the meantime i'd love to know your thoughts on this news and then we've got huge russia news right now it's being reported that the private jet of wagner's leader crashed in russia in the region next to moscow all 10 passengers on board are reported to have died and if you are wondering was prego himself on board well according to russian state media he is among the dead that being said two things to keep in mind one it's the russian state media so always be extra skeptical but also two prego's 
a fucking cockroach. So I'm leaving like a 1% chance that he somehow crawls out from under a rock somewhere. But then making things even crazier is that Wagner's official Telegram channel has said that this was no accident and that Russia shot the plane down. Though Russia denies that and instead are claiming it was the Ukrainians. Which I mean to that, both sides have reasons to want the man dead. Right? He was a major reason Russia had any success at all against Ukraine, while at the same time being a serious threat to Putin after attempting a coup. Which I mean to me, that's still the most shocking thing. What did he think was gonna happen when he did a kinda, sorta, almost not, never mind, I'm gonna take it back coup? Like who's ever described Putin as a forgiving guy? Right, a guy that doesn't stress the small stuff, let alone an almost coup. Meanwhile, he what, just continued drinking tea willy-nilly, standing next to open windows, going and flying tubes in the sky? Though that being said, the Ukrainian theory may not be completely implausible. Right, for weeks now, Moscow and Russian bases deep within the country have been hit with drone strike after drone strike. And these aren't long-range drones like we have, but much smaller ones that need to be launched relatively close to their target. So it is theoretically possible Ukrainian agents were in position to shoot down this private jet. Though personally, because it is Putin and Russia, my money's on them. Also, to be clear, there is increasing evidence that at least someone shot down the jet. But the reality is that we likely won't know the exact and definitive truth for quite some time. And in the meantime, we're going to keep an eye out for updates and as always, uh, fuck Putin. And then, all these days, there's an alarming amount of ways that hackers can try and steal your personal information. When you aren't being careful online, hackers could gain access to your computer, your bank account info, or worse. And when I say worse, I mean they target the ones that we love like grandparents and children, which is why it can be so nice whether you're home or you're traveling, you're out with your family and knowing that we're all using a VPN. And actually, that's why I want to thank today's partner and sponsor of the show, NordVPN, or more directly, nordvpn.com slash Phil. Now, I especially appreciate Nord's threat protection feature. Threat protection neutralizes cyber threats before they can do any real damage to your device. It makes your browsing safer and smoother. It helps identify malware-ridden files. It stops you from landing on malicious websites, and it blocks trackers and intrusive ads on the spot. And get this, when you enable the threat protection feature, it protects your browsing even when not connected to a VPN server. And don't forget, one account lets you connect and secure up to six devices in any combination so you can protect yourself and your loved ones. So take control of your internet experience today and just go to nordvpn.com slash Phil to get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus an additional four months free. That's nordvpn.com slash Phil and it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And then it has been two weeks since wildfires torched Maui and now is the time to start counting bodies. A challenge that's especially difficult since many of the deceased are just ashes now. But still, the FBI has been working backwards by tallying up the missing people, then crossing off those who can be located. And yesterday, the special agent in charge, Stephen Merrill, revealed that there are currently about a thousand people who have been reported missing, which is unfortunately higher than the 850 number that Maui County Mayor Richard Bisson released on Sunday night. Though also notably, that figure is expected to keep changing, hopefully going down, not up, as agents do their work. But right now, it's hard to know how much of that list of names is real and how much is bullshit. Merrill explaining that some only gave partial info, like a first or last name or no date of birth, with the Bureau getting info from the Maui Police Department, the Family Assistance Center, the Red Cross, emergency agencies, shelters, and other sources, it is definitely possible that some of those names are redundant, which, along with actually finding people, is how they whittled down the list to 1,000 from the initial total of 2,500. But in the meantime, the current official count of those who died is around 115. Though again, that is believed to be a severe underestimate. And then, India just did it. India is the first country ever to land a spacecraft on the moon's unexplored South Pole. And that also making them the fourth country ever to land anywhere on the moon, following China, Russia, and of course, the United States. With everyone holding their breath for this big moment. And as you might expect, the fanfare over this was explosive, with millions of people watching their TV screens and praying, then setting off firecrackers and dancing in the street after the touchdown, as well as Prime Minister Modi waving a flag and proclaiming, this is a victory cry of a new India. Which is also the type of remark that actually concerns critics who say that the right-wing leader is using the space program to whip up nationalist sentiment. Though at the very least, this achievement cements India's status as a technological and scientific power on the global stage, especially with them reportedly pulling this off for just $74 million, and notably doing it on the South Pole, where rough terrain has so far made a landing difficult. 
obstacle, as even India itself discovered in 2019 when its first attempt left a crashed rover on the surface, or as recent as a few days ago where Russia tried the same thing with its lander also coming in too hot and crashing. Yet to be fair, and to go back, Modi also expressed some internationalist sentiment, saying, This success belongs to all of humanity, and it will help more missions by other countries in the future. And he's kind of right there, because India is a signatory of the Artemis Accords, a U.S.-led legal framework that governs activity in space, with nearly 30 countries signing on so far, allowing them to partner with the U.S. and space missions and mandating that they adhere to a set of rules, such as publicly sharing scientific discoveries and creating safety zones where nations can work undisturbed on the lunar surface. And so some analysts say that when it comes to space travel, a win for India is actually a win for the U.S., and therefore a loss for Russia and China. Though, I will say that is admittedly oversimplified, since New Delhi has been reluctant to fully embrace an alliance with Washington. But aside from the geopolitical spin on all this, the landing is also a small step forward for science, because their rover is expected to remain functional for two weeks, and it's going to run a series of experiments, including an analysis on the mineral composition of the soil. And that mainly to look for ice in the South Pole's permanently shadowed craters, which if they discovered would be absolutely huge, right? It could provide water, and if you break it down into hydrogen and oxygen, we're talking rocket fuel. So you're talking about a world, or I guess in this case, a moon that could become a gas station in space, right? Because NASA wants to use it as a springboard to get to Mars. And that's in addition to NASA's Artemis program aiming to build long-term infrastructure on the surface for stuff like mining and research. With a second Artemis mission, which will fly four astronauts around the moon without landing, right now scheduled for late next year. And then the third mission, which will put astronauts on the lunar surface for the first time since 1972. And we're talking specifically of the South Pole, that is currently scheduled for 2025. And as for India, it's planning its own human spaceflight, though it won't reach the moon's surface and no official date has been announced yet. And actually later this week, we can look forward to Japan launching a small spacecraft to the moon to test its ability to land precisely. And so overall, just an exciting time for space, and uh, it'll be really cool to see how we all ruin it. Because in part, that's kind of what humans do, eventually. And then, Brazil's right-wing populist Jair Bolsonaro has found himself in some trouble. And that's for a number of reasons, including recent allegations that he's been essentially embezzling funds. And at the center of these allegations are official gifts, and in particular, luxury watches that the former president received from Saudi Arabia and other countries. And it appears that he went pretty far to hide that he was selling these, going so far as to allegedly order aides to sell them at a small jeweler at the Willow Grove Park Mall in Pennsylvania last year, with the belief that he received close to $70,000 in cash from the sale of those watches. And while just selling watches normally wouldn't be a big deal, the issue is that they were official diplomatic gifts, meaning that they are arguably state property. Although Bolsonaro's lawyer disputes that characterization. Instead, arguing while they were initially given as diplomatic gifts, a government panel later ruled that they were his personal property, and arguing that selling them is his right, saying it doesn't matter. And to be fair, looking into this, Brazilian law does allow the president to keep some personal gifts, such as custom-made clothing. But notably, there are still rules there, such as they have to be below a certain value, and, very key, they cannot contain valuable jewels. And actually, due to the fact that the law seems so damn clear-cut here, it's led to Brazil's top watchdog court to look into whether incompetence or corruption played a role in the panel's decision. You know, just a fun little spin on our favorite game, are they evil or just stupid? And actually, that's also why police raided the home of the panel's chairman and seized his phone, because they think there's a good chance Bolsonaro ordered the panel to rule in his favor. And so many legal experts in Brazil think that of all the legal troubles that he's facing right now, and trust me, there are a lot, this is the one most likely to actually turn into a major problem for him. With the former Minister of Justice even saying, to me, it seems very unlikely that the president would not be criminally charged for embezzlement. And if these charges pan out to a trial and a guilty verdict, and keep in mind, it would likely take years, Bolsonaro would still be looking at up to 12 years in prison. But for now, we'll have to wait and see, though uh, I am not going to hold my breath because as far as uh, leaders being held accountable, when does that happen? I mean, it does, but not as often where I would feel confident betting. And then, since the fall of affirmative action this summer, there has been an avalanche of lawsuits all across the country, and we need to talk about a few. Right, so this is Edward Bloom. He's the conservative activist that led that charge to the Supreme Court to end affirmative action back in June. He also founded and heads up the Students for Fair Admissions. And in addition to that group, Bloom also founded the American Alliance for Equal Rights, which is now suing two corporate law firms over their diversity fellowships, with the AAER claiming that Morrison and Forster, an international law firm based in Miami, as well as Perkins Coie, another international firm based in Dallas, are violating the Civil Rights Act with their diversity fellowships for law students. With a suit against Perkins Coie focusing
focusing on their two paid fellowships for first and second year law students, with a fellowship for first year students being created back in 1991 with the goal of developing, quote, legal communities that accurately reflect the rich diversity of our communities. And Morrison and Forster's fellowship, the Keith Wetmore 1L Fellowship, has been running since 2012 and offers a paid summer associate position, mentorship, and a fellowship award of up to $50,000 to, quote, first year law students who are members of an underrepresented group in the legal industry. And the lawsuits against the firms argue that the fellowships limit applicants to students of color in the LGBTQ plus community or students with disabilities. And they argue that by doing so, the firms are discriminating based on race and violating the Civil Rights Act. With Bloom saying, excluding students from these esteemed fellowships because they are the wrong race is unfair, polarizing, and illegal. Law firms that have racially exclusive programs should immediately make them available to all applicants regardless of their race. With both suits seeking restraining orders, barring the firms from selecting fellows as well as a permanent end to those programs. And notably, they also want a declaration that these fellowship programs violate the civil rights statute. And we've yet to see a response from Morrison and Forster, but Perkins Cooey is ready to throw down, saying they intend to vigorously defend the suit and adding in a statement. As a firm, we have been a leader in efforts to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal profession. Our commitment to those values remains steadfast. And here, it's actually important to note that the law industry has long struggled in its efforts to diversify. According to the American Bar Association, less than 5% of practicing attorneys today are black and only 10% more fall into other minority groups. And the total share of ethnic minorities in the legal profession has grown by less than 6% since 2010. But also the opposition to diversity initiatives in companies has been rising for a while and has only increased after the fall of affirmative action. With things like American First Legal, a legal group founded by former Trump advisor Stephen Miller, even filing complaints against a slew of companies for their DEI policies. However, this fight against DEI may not turn out the way the conservative groups hope. With the seeing things like, for example, earlier this month, where a judge in Washington threw out a suit arguing that Starbucks was violating its duty to shareholders by trying to diversify its workforce. With Chief U.S. District Judge Stanley Bastian saying at the time, if the plaintiff doesn't want to be invested in, quote, woke corporate America, perhaps it should seek other investment opportunities rather than wasting this court's time. But notably, that is just one U.S. District Judge, and when these legal things play out, it's it's a whole thing, a whole song and dance that just drags on. But we'll keep our eyes on everyone's two-step until the music stops. And that is where your daily dive into the news is going to end. But for more news you need to know and watch right now, I got you covered right here, including yesterday's suppressed show. Thank you, YouTube. Also include a link in the description down below. Or if you've already seen everything, do not worry, because my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you right back here for more news tomorrow.